We are less than 12 hours away from U.S. men's national team versus Columbia, and the SBI show is in London. Well, at least half of us is. I'm Garrett Cleverly. In London is Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, man? Pretty good, Garrett. Uh, I'm in London. I've been here since Wednesday, and uh, I can tell you right now, this is going to be a good game. It's going to be a really tough test for the U.S. Uh, I think Clemson is going to start a veteran team. Um, but U.S. fans expecting a win, uh, it could be a tough one. But we can talk about that on the show. Yes, uh, plenty to talk about on today's show, especially um, with the U.S. men's national team. You know, they have the first game coming up against Columbia on Friday. Then next week, they're going against Ireland. Some other uh, related news. But, uh, Ivis, how's London so far, man? How's the reception been? Is everyone just going crazy for this matchup of U.S. versus Columbia? <laughs> I don't think they're they're like cheering in the streets for the game, but uh, it, it will be a sellout. Um, it's already been it's already sold out, and by game day, by kickoff, it will it set a record for largest attendance for a friendly <clears throat> at Craven Cottage, uh, a record currently held by the Brazil Ghana friendly that was played there. But uh, I can tell you, uh, the U.S. players are definitely up for the game. Uh, it, they see it as a great opportunity to play one of the top teams in the world right now. Uh, Columbia is ranked number three in the world. And uh, with the, some of the stars on that team, some of the attacking weapons, I mean, we saw them at the World Cup. You saw how amazing and, and dynamic they were. And uh, they're going to face a U.S. team that's in a bit of transition. And uh, it's probably going to be a veteran team, an older team. I think uh, Klinsman, you know, he's been talking about bringing in veterans to mentor the young guys. But I think he's going to take a few of those veterans and put them on the field just so that it's it's a respectable game, respectable outcome, and they don't get blown out of the water. Well, even with you know starting some of the veterans, you're still going to see you know a good number of kind of you know younger players, guys who are slowly making their way up the ladder. You know, I think you know we you know go into the starting lineup. You know, obviously you're going to have Guzan and Goal, which I mean playing in the Premier League. Enough said right there. But then obviously, I mean, I think on the back line you could see possibly a guy like Greg Garza, who's has really you know impressed for the U.S. kind of over these recent call-ups that he's had under Jurgen. Right. I mean, I think he's going to start. I know some people will look at DeMarcus Beasley and say, oh, he's in, he should start. Um, <clears throat> he has that experience, but he's also coming off what wasn't a great run in Houston. Um, you know, he had a share of injuries. Uh, he, he just didn't look that great. Um, now, obviously, he comes in and he plays his role as a mentor this week in camp, but I think Garza's played really well uh, in the two starts that he had for, for the U.S., and he's coming off a really good first season in, in Mexico as a regular starter. And actually, I just literally minutes ago finished a, a piece on him talking about this matchup. And, you know, he's one of those players who people are want people are going to want to see against the higher level of opponent. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you can't get much higher than Juan Cuadrado, the, the right winger for Colombia, the Fiorentina uh, midfielder, one of the best wingers in the world, uh, just so strong and fast and technical and he's going to be a handful and it's a perfect test for Garza to show that you know he is an elite level fullback and he's still obviously very young in his career he just became a starter at Tijuana he's 23 years old but you know this game could be that next step for him where he turns heads and I guarantee scouts will be watching and you know moving to the rest of the back line I think you know you'll see Fabian Johnson at, at right back and and I think I was you know with the performance impressive performance i can't talk that uh that jermaine jones at center back i mean you you had to give him the start against columbia right right no he's gonna start <clears throat> i think that's that's a given that he'll be a starting central defender uh 
And then you have a little bit of a question. Do you start him next to Matt Beasler, which is what I think is going to happen? Or do you start him with Jeff Cameron? Um, I think I think he gets the nod as the left center back. And, um, I mean, if you bring him in instead of giving him a rest, you got to think they're bringing him uh, to start. And and let's face it, he's, he's quicker, he's faster than Cameron. Uh, he's someone who, <clears throat> while he's not a speedster, he does have deception speed he's faster than people you realize and you're going to need that speed when you're dealing with with, with the Colombian forwards obviously Jackson Martinez is a handful uh you know they have quite a few uh forwards Colombia so they could go in any number of directions obviously you have James Rodriguez who's probably going to be more of a playmaker um but I think Beasler Jones that's a pretty solid tandem and Fabian I'm very interested to see how he looks you know, as good as he is, and obviously he was one one of the standouts at the World Cup. He has not been playing for Mönchengladbach, so you wonder what kind of form he's in. And you know what? If he hasn't looked good in camp this week, maybe Klinsman goes out on a limb and throws Yedlin out there. I actually think Yedlin. I you know I projected him to start on the right wing mm-hmm. uh, all week, <clears throat> but then seeing him today um, and seeing the look on his face, I mean, the kid is tired. I mean, he just played Monday. And then he just flew halfway around the world on Tuesday. And I saw him on uh, tonight, Thursday night, or Thursday afternoon here in London. And he just, he had uh, he, he had suitcases under his eyes. I mean, he just looked, he looked like he hadn't gotten much sleep or he still was suffering oh, that, from that, jet lag. So that's also because what? the media keeps bothering him, I guess. I mean, he, he's like in every single interview, it seems like. Yeah, well, he's Mr. Popular. He's, yeah. you know, Tottenham. Tottenham signing, and, and obviously the British media hadn't had a chance to talk to him really till today. I don't think, um, and and it was a it was a horde it was a horde of uh, of English reporters asking him fifty million Tottenham questions. It's funny at one point uh, the U.S. Uh, U.S. national team press officer was like, uh, "Does anyone have any uh, U.S. national team questions?" <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you know, if either way, I think Johnson's a safe bet to start uh, to fill out the back. Back four. Uh, well, moving up to well, actually, real quick on the back line, you know, it is kind of interesting though because now all of a sudden, you know, John Brooks, where you know you're still moving him up, but I mean, Jeff Cameron Ivis doesn't get a start in this match. That that's that just seems strange to say that though, with the talent that the back line all of a sudden has. Well, he hasn't been starting at center back <clears throat> for Stoke. He's been getting some playing time at right back again, and we all know that Jeff that Jurgen Klinsmann doesn't really rate. Cameron as a, as a right back, he sees him more as a center back, more as a defensive midfielder. So who do you start? Do you start Cameron? Uh, I mean, I guess that's a possibility if Fabio Johnson really doesn't look sharp in training. But I think you want Jeff Cameron. I think you want um, Fabian Johnson's speed on the flank, his ability to get forward. Um, I think Cameron will start in the second match against Ireland. Uh, and it, look, it wouldn't shock me if if he ended up starting. I mean, you could, in theory, put Cameron at right back and put Fabian Johnson on the right wing mm-hmm. if DeAndre Edlin's, uh, you know, too tired or, or just not 100% and you can't start him. But, you know, I don't think anyone should be completely shocked if Jeff Cameron doesn't start in this game. Uh, well, moving up to the midfield, I think this is a perfect game for Kyle Beckerman because you can have him patrol the midfield. And then on top of him, Ivis, if you could have a combination between Mixed Discrude and say Lee Wynn, those two guys combining, that would be an awesome midfield pairing. <coughs> yeah, oh, look, I get it's the it's the MLS fans' pipe dream to have Lee <laughs> Wynn start against Colombia, 
Uh, he's obviously playing really well in MLS. He's been the, you know, for my money, he was the MVP this year. Um, but it's a little, I think, ambitious to, to see him projected as a starter for this game. Just listening to, to Klinsman today, uh, the sense you got is that Lee Wynn will see minutes in this game. But to expect him in his first camp to be handed a, a starting nod in the middle of the park, I think is a little ambitious, even though he's impressed in camp. By all accounts, uh, you know, I asked Chris Wondolowski today, you know, who who's impressed them in the camp of the new faces in the first right away. His immediate answer was Lee Wynn, uh, that, you know, it was the first time he played with him and he was really impressed by him. So Lee Wynn is trying to, it does seem like he's making the most of, of this call up. Uh, but a start, I think maybe a little early. It might be, you know, I think if we're looking to see when he starts, I think January, a January friendly might be a better bet. For him, um, I think in the middle you're going to see you are. I, I really think you're going to see Beckerman uh, mm-hmm. playing in in front of the defense and right where you know in that kind of area where Hamas Rodriguez likes to do his damage. So you want somebody who's going to stay home and 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 defend uh, or, or you know support the back uh, the the center backs. Um, I think this group starts, and I think you have Bedoya start as well. <clears throat> I think they're going to want Bedoya's energy in the middle. His, uh, you know, his work rate, his ability to buzz around. I think they're going to keep him in there. Uh, and then, you know, once you have those three, then you go to the other, the three up top. I think Julian Green starts on the left. Josie Atador, who is going to be the captain, starts at striker. And I think you have DeAndre Edlin uh, start. Now, if DeAndre Edlin isn't in shape to start or, or you know, he, he's tired or he doesn't, you know, Klinsman decides he's not ready to start. Then maybe you could see Bedoya slot out to the right, and you put a Lee win in. I, I don't think it'll happen. But <laughs> that could, I, that I, I could would, happen. I, I, I would like that could see. happen. Eh, I don't think it will, but I would like to see it. Personally, I'd like to see Lee yeah. win because I think you know, you know, not that I think he's going to come in and tear up Colombia, but I mean, it, it's you want to see how the confidence translates. How the form translates? Because let's face it, the guy is on fire. Well, plus to have two midfielders who have the ball skills that Lee Wynn and Mixed Discrew have. I mean, they're so good at creating chances for other players, and just having the opportunity to watch them to play off each other. Yes, that's yes. really nice to see because we don't yeah. see that very often. Ivis with U.S. players, two guys in the midfield with the technical, you know, skill and quality that they have. Well, that's all well and good, but you got to have the ball to play the ball. And I tell you what, Colombia is going to have a lot of the ball in this game. I can tell you right now, if you want to ask me to predict, I'm going to go with about a 65-35 possession edge for Colombia. Maybe close, maybe maybe 60-40. Maybe, maybe it'll be 60-40. But Colombia is going to have a lot of the ball. They're going to knock it around. They're going to cause problems. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea of having mix and Lee Wind create and dazzle like that's 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 a nice little you know national you know U.S. fan dream, but. I think uh, that's not happening. This Columbia team is really good. And um, if anything, I think the US, this team, it, wouldn't it be nice? Would they try to stand toe to toe with them and just go, you know, <clears throat> go all out and try to attack? That's great. But then you're gonna, it's going to be about 4 0 at halftime. Columbia is that good. They're that dangerous. They're that fast on the counter. They're, they're, they will they will burn you. And for that reason, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we have a, a bit more of a defensive lineup. Well, the one thing that the U.S. does have going for them is, yes, and, and as fast as Columbia is, the U.S. is going to have some speed, though. I mean, the lineup that we said, if you have Greg Garza on the outside, Julian Green, combination of Bedoya, Yedlin, or Johnson, I guess that's some serious speed on, on the outsides for the U.S., too. I, I mean, this that, is going to be entertaining. It's not that serious. Hey, no, it, it's not that, I know it's not, but it's, it's going to be that, able that, enough to compete with Columbia, not though. That serious. Speed's not that serious. Greg Garza, he's quick, but he's not, he's not a blazer. 
uh, Julian Green, all we've heard, all we heard about before he played for the U.S. was what a speedster he was. I personally haven't seen that gear that that we thought we were going to see. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if anyone's seen it yet. So I don't know if we want to call him a burner. Fabian Johnson does have some pace. I'll give him that. But again, he's not formed. John Riedlin is a legitimate, a legitimate burner. But guess what? Columbia's got about three or four burners, legitimate burners who can play at a high level. So that's where it's a little, little different. So don't even try to compare the U.S. with what Colombia brings to the table. It's just not even close, not even worth doing. How you how the U.S. is going to keep this game interesting and respectable and give themselves a chance to win this game is to be very organized defensively, keep you know keep their shape in the middle, not get stretched, not get caught on the counter, uh, and it's gonna it's it's gonna be it's gonna have to be almost a boring game for the U.S. because as much as I know U.S. fans would love for them to just go balls to the wall and throw numbers forward, it's just not practical. The U.S. Uh, Klinsman is not coming here to get blown away. He's pragmatic, and I think if anything. He's going to put a lineup out there that makes sure that makes sure that the U.S. Isn't, doesn't get embarrassed. I, I agree with you on that, and I'm not comparing the speed of the U.S. to Colombia. I'm, I'm not saying that because yes, Colombia is insanely fast. I'm saying the U.S. does have some speed on the wings to be able to, to keep up. Uh, look, I agree. I, I don't think the U. I mean, it'd be great if the U.S. comes out with a victory. It'd just be another you know uh, feather in the cap for Jurgen and his impressive performances in Europe, but. I got to go with the prediction here, Ivis. Uh, I'm going to say the U.S. is going to lose probably about 2-1 Colombia. What, what are you thinking? Um, I, I would say the over-under is a 1.5 for Colombia. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll probably go I'll probably go either 2-0, uh, Colombia. Uh, look, it'd be great if the U.S. won, right? I mean, and they, they've had some results in Europe before. Um, usually, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, defensive organization that helps. But, oh, man, you know, not not to toot Colombia's horn too much, but they're good, man. And James Rodriguez is a devil, man. He is so he is so tricky. He's so quick. He can do what he wants with the ball. And, uh, you know, Beckerman is going to be a good chance for Beckerman to make sure uh, or try to limit the opportunities there. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what Lee Wynn does when he gets on the field, because I'm sure Lee Wynn will get on the field. Oh, fi- final thought, you know, if, if you're watching this game tomorrow, you know, what is the one thing, obviously, if, if you're a U.S. fan, what are you going to be looking out for? Is it going to be kind of the performance of the younger players? Is it going to be performance of the team, matchups to see how certain guys hold up against certain players in Columbia? Kind of what, what's the main focal point that, that, you know, that will be kind of the main idea to take from this match when watching it? Well, I, I will say this. I mean, Columbia... They're very organized defensively. They're not. They're not an easy team to play, even when you have the ball. But I think this is a good test for Josie Altador to see what he can do. Uh, there's going to be some opportunities there. I think. I think. You know, as Colombia gets forward, as, as Colombia attacks, if the U.S. can hit on the counter, you can get it out to Yedlin if he's going to play. If you get him, out, get him out on the wing, quick counter, look to isolate Altador. Obviously, Colombia. One of the things they had happen was uh, Mario Yep, their longtime uh, leader in the back, um, sent the center back for me. You know, AC Milan center back, been around a million years. You know, he was a big player for them at the World Cup. He is no longer with. He's 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 retired from the national team. So obviously, they're they're kind of bringing in a, a new a bit of a younger generation at center back. So Altidore's uh, gonna have. I think he's gonna have his opportunity. So if he if he gets in a, if he gets a chance or two, he has got to take them. Uh, and then obviously, Greg Garza. This is a huge game for Greg Garza because if he is if he does start, 
and he gets matched up against Juan, Quadra Juan Cuadrado is a beast. Juan Cuadrado, Juan Cuadrado was like Barcelona wanted Juan Cuadrado at one point, by all accounts. Um, he's that good. So if Garza can contain him, then all of a sudden, yes, the U.S. can have possibly have a chance to you know make things interesting and and, and steal a result, grab a tie. Uh, you know, maybe in a far-fetched world, uh, grab a win if Becker make his job containing Hamas or, or keep you know keeping that area secure. And if and if uh, you know Beasler and Jones can can deal with a guy like Jackson Martinez, who's so dynamic in his own right, there's a there is a possibility, there is a realm of possibility where the U.S. can get a result. I personally don't think it'll happen, uh, but at the same, I don't think they're gonna get blown out either. I'm not sitting here saying, "Oh, they're gonna get embarrassed." It's gonna be four 0 They're gonna they're gonna abuse them the way Brazil abused Turkey uh, a few days ago. I don't that think was, that's that gonna bad. be the case. That was bad. Right, right. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think that's gonna be the case. If only because Klinsman's gonna have some veterans out there who who know how to keep these games honest. Like Jermaine Jones. Jermaine Jones isn't letting anybody dance around him. If, he, if things get a little out of hand, he'll. He'll he'll put things he'll put things in order a bit, and uh, obviously Kyle Beckman is a really solid player in the middle. Um, but you know what, man, Colombia is good. Colombia is good, and if they win this game, which I think they will, I don't think anyone should be bothering to try to turn this into an indictment of the team or an indictment of Klinsman. Like, how can you lose to Colombia? Colombia is just really good. You're they're better than the U.S. So hey, if the U.S. finds a way to win, then that's that's a nice feather in the cap. Big confidence boost, and 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 definitely for anyone who plays well in the game, it's a big boost. But if they lose, then you have to try to find, uh, you have to find the takeaways, the the, the learning points, that um, the experience, uh, especially for some of these younger guys like uh, Julian Green and Yadlin. And yes, look, I know they played in the World Cup, but Julian Green put, played a few minutes at the World Cup. As much as that experience is good for him, he does he doesn't have the overall wealth of experience yet. So he still needs to learn a lot of things. So this is a big game for him. It's a big game for DeAndre Yedlin. It's a big game for for any of the young guys who might get in as substitutes. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think I don't think we're going to see Jordan Morris as a sub, Rubio Rubin. I think the Ireland game is absolutely the game where you want to get some of those really young guys a chance. And, and that's why it's so great that the U.S. is playing Colombia and Ireland, two totally different opportunities to see two, two totally uh, different teams for both matches. I was, this week, it did come out, Germany's general manager, Oliver Bierhoff, said that the U.S. and Germany will play in June of next year. This will be the third meeting between the sides, obviously first meeting since the World Cup. And uh, I was, it's great to see another high-profile opponent already on the schedule. Now, did you say their third meeting? Yes, uh, since Jurgen's taken it over. Oh, interesting. Uh, I thought I thought you were saying like third overall. I was going to say no, uh, no, no, no. So under under Jurgen is what I'm saying. Because I've actually I th I've been to three already. I was actually in uh, in Dortmund in uh, in 2006. I want to say uh -huh. uh, when Bruce when Bruce Arena took a team there and. Uh, Got got spanked in a in a in a result that actually kind of saved Jurgen Klinsmann's job. Funny enough, um, back then, uh, Klins, Klinsmann was on, was under fire for some results in some friendlies, and then Germany spanked out the U.S. Uh, I believe it was four to one, and and then all of a sudden Jurgen got praise. 
this was like in March of 06. So you had a couple months before the World Cup. And obviously they ended up, you know, Germany ended up riding into the 06 World Cup and getting all the way to the to a third place finish. Uh, a pretty respectable showing for the Germans. Um, but this is a great match. This is a great, you know, any chance, anytime you can play the world champs, you take that opportunity, right? I mean, it's a, it's a test. All of these things are tests. Uh, and I know some people like maybe there are people who would rather them play uh, just random teams that are like not even in the top 50 and, and, and you could just beat them and blow them out. But that does nothing for you. What mm-hmm. makes you better is playing the best teams in the world. And, and for a long time, you know, it, it, you know, it's at times it can be tough for the U.S. to to secure opponents or in the past it's been tough. And I think it's gotten a little easier. I think. I know some people want to do a little hand-wringing about whether or not the U.S. had a good World Cup, but I think what another example of, of how of kind of proof that it was a good World Cup is that I think you see good teams looking at the U.S. as a team that they want to play in a friendly because they, the U.S. is a good test. You know, if, if you can get a Colombia uh, as a dynamic team as they are, and now you get a Germany. I mean, these teams are some of the top, right there. That's number one and number three in the world. They see the value in playing the U.S., and that's that's it's a positive sign. It's a positive sign. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, if they have to go to Germany and play the Germans, I mean, what better? There's not many better experiences than that, especially for the young guys coming up, uh, and especially right for a Gold Cup. Because look, if you play the Germans in Germany, um, once you've got through that, I mean, anything in the Gold Cup is going to be cake, pretty much, right? I mean, except maybe the final against Mexico. Uh, wherever that may be, when it's probably going to be, you know, 85 to 90 percent Mexican fans. Um, but it, I think it's great. I think it's great to see a big game like that on the schedule. And it just goes to show. It's just, you know, since since Jurgen's become manager, obviously the U.S. just consistently has had high-ranked opponents. And it, it's been good for the U.S. It's been good for, like you said, a lot of the younger players turn valuable playing, playing time against some of the world's best uh, before they make those transitions to those, you know, top leagues in uh, England, Spain, and, and Germany. Uh, Ivis... ESPN announced a new contract with your boy, Taylor Twellman. He's going to be with them for eight more years. Taylor obviously does a great job. He, I think Taylor does a great job with all the Major League Soccer broadcasting. And uh, I think it's going to be good to see Taylor on ESPN for eight more years. Yeah, man. I mean, he's, he's definitely earned it. Uh, congrats to uh, Taylor, who's, you know, he, he, he's a, I think he's a breath of fresh air. You know, I think he, in this realm where, uh, finding really good American soccer commentators, it, it, it's not like there's a ton of them, and he's one of the good ones. And I think he's gotten better. Obviously, I still remember when he first started. You know, he he he's pretty raw, and and there, he he had his his issues. He needed to work out. He had his his kind of flaw, uh, weaknesses that he's strengthened. But in in so many ways, you've seen him gain confidence. You've seen him get sharper. Um, you've seen him just do a better job of kind of illustrating um, and, and just kind of painting the picture and offering the the background as a, as a commentator, color commentator. So congrats to him, and it's going to be fun to see him continuing to develop and uh, and be one of the better soccer TV pundits personalities there is. Um, who was more raw when they started, me or Taylor? You. Yeah. <laughs> You're still raw. Come on, man. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, everybody. Well, first off, why don't we have Taylor on the show? I think we've only had him on one time. Well, now forget about it. The guy's freaking rich, man. He's going to be flying around in a helicopter. He's, he's not, not going to have time for the SBI show. Come on. Yes, he is. Come on, man. He's a rock star now. He's no, probably going to be walking around in the 
It's me walking around in a mink coat and like big Elvis sunglasses. He's gonna be, he's gonna be too much, man. <laughs> His head's not gonna be able to fit and fit through doors now. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it did before, but it's it probably even less now. <laughs> nice, Elvis. I'm kidding, Taylor. Nice, Elvis. Taylor's tell, tell my boy. Taylor's my. I, boy. I know he is. Nice. And I and I actually think and you know to be fair, my, I think my head's actually bigger than his. Um, but my head's proportional to my body, unlike uh, <laughs> Taylor. But anyway, I digress. So no, great. Why are you throwing some shade his way? What's, what's going on? That's not throwing. Hey, dude. Hey, I am not throwing shade on Taylor. <laughs> I'm busting his chops. I wish he was here. I would be doing the same thing. If, if we, I do it all the time, we bust each other's chops. That's what I'm he's saying. Great. He's well, great. We need he's, to get him on the show. He's again. a great. You know what? He's he's not not only is he a smart guy, he's a good. Like he he's he he's not he doesn't have an ego. You know. He, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, he had, we all have egos, but like he, he, he's just he's a chill guy, man. And so it's good to see, it's it's always good to see good people uh, succeed, and 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 you know, and it's it's great. And moving on to a more serious subject, Ivis, the FIFA Ethics Committee came out, and I'm going to save everyone a big yawn here. Nothing's going to change. The World Cup's still going to be in Russia. It's still going to be in Qatar. Uh, I guess it's, this doesn't come as surprising. It's just, I mean, what, what is there to be said on these matters anymore? It's, I mean, what can't, okay. We got to lay it all out here first. So, so Michael Garcia puts together this report. Um, FIFA, FIFA, FIFA's ethics committee yeah. looks at the report, ignores a lot, a lot of it and, Picks out whatever suited its its uh, na- its narrative, and then came out saying, "Oh, nothing's wrong. Everything <laughs> Qatar, Russia, they did nothing wrong. Oh, and by the way, England is the biggest crook in the whole deal, <laughs> even though they're really not. It's just, it, it, I mean, it's unbelievable to stay. But then, but then, credit to Michael Garcia, he came out and said, "Well, yeah, FIFA didn't really, he <laughs> didn't really." Uh, read the report that i put out or they conveniently left out a lot of stuff um so now you have the fbi pressing on with its own investigation into this and fbi is not going to rest on this one man i think there if there's going to be if there's justice to be had it's going to come from the fbi and i know some people will say well what kind of jurisdiction does the FBI have? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's an American organization. It's national. Here, here's the deal, folks. FBI is is American. It's an American, um, you know, cr- crime work. It's a, <laughs> they're a government uh, entity, and if they find you guilty of something serious, you're pretty much screwed because you'll never be able to come to America again. You you won't be able to do business with America. And if if they find you guilty and you get convicted of some serious stuff, there's no dancing around that. There's no hiding behind fake ethics committees and phony uh, reports and, and, and all the sham that this whole sham that, that FIFA has been running. Once once uh, FBI gets its smoking gun and finds the dirt, the real dirt and, and gets them dead to rights, then maybe we'll see some heads roll. And then maybe we'll see some of these corrupt people who got skated by and gotten over repeatedly will finally be brought to justice. Yeah, but I I, I get that. And and that's a long-term 
way to get at them. And, and, and I hope the FBI finds things out to get at these people. But, I mean, the immediate reaction, I said, that most people are still, you know, holding hopes on to is the fact that, you know, FIFA will take the World Cup away from Russia, will take the World Cup away from Qatar. I, I mean, the reality is that's not going to happen. It just doesn't seem like it's really going to happen. I mean, as of right now, based on that ethics report, FIFA's not going to be the one, be the one <coughs> to, on its own, take it away. I mean, the only way it's going to change realistically – and even this is maybe it's a pipe dream, maybe it's far fetched. But if if the FBI succeeds in finding legitimate dirt, finding um, criminal activity, finding things that they can convict people over, if that were to happen, then I think you could see a groundswell of um, opposition toward FIFA, and then maybe you'll start seeing sponsors pull out. Dis- distancing themselves, and then maybe you start seeing the leadership crumble. Uh, their little empire or their huge empire start to crumble. Um, and again, maybe that's a pipe dream. Maybe that's not realistic. But you know what? Now that they, me personally, when I heard the FBI were going to keep keep it rolling, I was like, yeah, this is. Let me get my popcorn because this is about to get really good. Because let's remember, folks, they have Chuck Blazer, um, you know, giving everything up. He spied for the FBI. You know, he he bugged offices and and has people, uh, you know, conspiring here. I mean, there, there's there's dirt. There's more dirt coming. There's more dirt coming, folks. And um, you know, but if anything's if anything tangible is going to happen, uh, hopefully the FBI can make it happen. You know, this storyline sounds like it make it for a really good FIFA movie, Ivis. <laughs> Uh yeah, we can see that. <laughs> and hundred hundred years from now. Yeah, I was referencing the crap uh, FIFA movie that came out. That that was a horrible joke. Um, swing and a miss. Yeah, I was, was terrible. Yeah, swing and a miss. It happens. I did yeah. the to do. But you didn't hear that part. So. Cutting room floor. Can't, you can't do sound effects, man. I, I'm barely. I can barely. I'm. You're like every other word's cutting out on my. Uh, I'm on my uh, ho- London hotel internet. Yeah, I um, find that amazing. Out of all What's the that? places you've been, this is probably the worst internet connection we've had. Um, yeah, maybe that's that's entirely possible. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of when there's been worse. But for those for those of you listening, I told Garrett um, that he sounds like Chevy Chase in the Spies Like Us press conference, and he had no idea what I was talking <laughs> about. So I had to find him the clip and show him the YouTube clip. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Classic 80s comedy, Spies Like Us. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you watch it. It's hilarious. Oh, man. I, f- I feel like everyone's like, God, Carrot is so freaking young. And I am young. And I. That or. You know, there's people saying that. And there's also a small group of people that are saying, Man, Ivis is so old. <laughs> and it's all good. This it's movie's good. two years older than me. Think about that. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. You're a kid. I don't know. But you know what? It, you had to go back and see some of these movies. These movies, just because you were a toddler when they came out, doesn't mean they're still not hilarious. Thirty years later, twenty-five years later. Yeah. See, I, I, see, that's the thing. I don't. I guess I don't watch old school comedy movies. It's more like war movies, you should, and westerns, spies and stuff like, like that. Comedies, man. Comedies. Spies like Us, Fletch, Trading Places, um, Forty Eight. You know all the all the early Eddie Murphy, Come, Eddie Come, Murphy stuff. Coming to America. That is a good movie. Yeah, but that's already later on, so that's that's even that? that's relevant. That's newer than the other stuff. That but was yeah, you, you, that you was, ni- was nineteen eighty eight. That would come on. You, 
you can go back to Steve Martin and, and Richard Pryor, Brewster's Millions. There's all sorts of classics, man. Now I don't know if Netflix has has all this stuff. I got another one for you, Princess Bride. Princess Bride is is a very I don't know I don't know if you can even call it underrated because it's a classic. Um, and it's not really just a comedy. It's 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 just a timely story. I love it. It's a it, it really it, it's a, if I do a top twenty five movies of all time for me for my personal if I. I, I get the Princess Bride on there. I might get Fletch on there. I definitely get it Trading Places on there with uh, Dan Aykroyd and, and Eddie Murphy. That that movie never gets old. Yeah, I like Trading Places. My, see, I, you know what I put in the top twenty? I put The Jerk in my top twenty-five. Huh? Not bad. Not bad. That's a good movie. Steve Martin. That movie is hilarious. I don't even. What's that? That movie is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, you're breaking up again. That, you're doing the Chevy Chase again. That, so let's or, move on. Let's, let's that see if that or Blazing Saddles. Saddles. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. We've lost everybody with our 1980s old to 80s comedies. Oh, people like that. Uh, move, yeah, as you said, moving on. On Wednesday, Ivis Mexico defeated the Netherlands 3-2. to two. Uh, Carlos Vea had a great game, scored a brace in this one, goal on either side of the half, and uh, nice result for Mexico. Good return for Carlos. Just very positive day for Mexican soccer on Wednesday. What do you call him, Carlos? Was he a boy now? Carlos, we're on the first name basis, hanging out man. Sociedad, you're hanging out in Sociedad with uh, Carlos Vela. What's going on? We're, we're chilling, man. Chilling. Chilling. Nice. Well, yeah, man, he's back. Carlos Vela's back in Mexico. They're they're, they're going to start looking pretty dangerous. You know, they, they needed a forward like him, and he's there. They plug him in, and boom, they're there. I tell you, they're going to be a handful. Uh, you know, that Gold Cup is not on the U.S.'s mantle just yet because Mexico is going to be really tough, uh, not to mention Costa Rica, who is going to be tough as well. But, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's funny how, how all can be forgotten with one good game and and I'm sure I'm sure some of the they're, they're, I'm sure there's some Mexico fan, fans that are holding out and they're thinking you should have come back you should have played in the World Cup we would have won if you played in the World Cup you know screw you whatever but I think people will get over it with time now that he's back it's better to have him than not have him and you don't want to chase him away you don't want to hurt his feelings and have him go off and have another three year you know hiatus from the team uh, but it's good and you know I know some US fans are like no, this is not good. You don't want Carlos Vela on Mexico because that just makes him so tough. Listen, man, we want the CONCACAF's powers to be as strong as possible. Because, um, like they say, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And yep. if you get the higher level of competition, it forces the U.S. to get better. That, you know, they can't just coast by and be the top team in CONCACAF. They have to get better. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, man, Mexico coming out of the 2014 cycle, going into the 2018 cycle, Right now, Mexico is a stronger team, and I, I, I'm sure U.S. fans, some U.S. fans will deny that or be in denial about <laughs> it. But right now, Mexico, Mexico is is better positioned to go into this next cycle stronger, just because you know what this age group, the age group of the group of players that should be going into their primes, heading into this cycle, um, it's just a stronger group. It's a group that's had success that won the Olympics, that won. You know, the U-17 World Cup way back circa 2005. So that they have that generation of players that's going to, you know what, step up now. You've got Vela. You've got Hector Herrera who's doing his thing. Uh, there's so much talent there, man. And you know what? It's fine because if the U.S. 
if they want to keep up, they have to step up and have to have some of these young guys grow up fast. And uh, because if they don't, then Mexico is going to dominate this next cycle. Like uh, a year and a half ago, about a year. Remember how all of a sudden Mexico was just falling apart and not falling apart, but remember they were kind of you know down in the dumps for a little bit, kicking the tires, and all of a sudden everyone on U.S. This is great. Mexico soccer's down. Amazing what a year can do. I mean, Mexico, like you said, is just flying on all cylinders right now. Well, they're not flying just yet, but they're kind of they're they're starting to hit. They're they're working their way down the runway. They're 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 going to hit their stride, man. They're going to be tough. They are the Gold Cup, man. They are going to be tough to beat. And the reason I'm not going to sit here and say they're definitely going to win the Gold Cup is because even when Mexico has had a strong team and even when Mexico has had a, by all measures, by all, you know, all considerations, a better team than the U.S., even when they've had more talent than the U.S., the U.S. has found a way to beat them. So you can't rule out the U.S. You can never rule out the U.S. But I tell you what, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough this upcoming cycle. Uh, we'll bring it back to American soccer. New York City FC, Ivis, unveiled their new home kits. And surprise, surprise, it looks eerily similar to Manchester United. I'm sorry, Manchester City's, excuse me. Uh, this should not come as any surprise. And if you're surprised, well, then good for you. But Ivis, pretty pretty straightforward here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any surprises there. It's uh, It was always going to be similar to NYC, uh, similar to Manchester City. They have the same owners. This isn't uncharted territory. Anyone who who thinks this has never happened before, you just got to look at the New York Red Bulls. Um, they didn't come up with those uniforms just out of the blue. They they wear the uniforms that Red Bull Salzburg wears, and similar to the uh, the uniforms that Red Bull Leipzig wears or RB Leipzig or whatever you want to call them now. Um, so you know what? It is what it is, and it, it, people who aren't NYCFC fans probably hate those uniforms because they look like city but guess what they're not for you they're they're for they're for the fans of this team and i'm sure the fans of the team will embrace embrace the the crest embrace the colors uh because this isn't a surprise from day one this is this was going to be their color so um it's it's all well and good and you know what they're blue the red bulls are red and and now we're going to see the new york new jersey area uh, start to be divided along the blue and red lines. And then obviously you have the little pocket of green for the New York Cosmos uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. 2015 to see how that, that rivalry plays out. Uh, speaking of New York City, they also are looking for their third DP. Uh, Claudio Reyna went out and said that the club is looking for a goal scorer, emphasizing what guys like Robbie Keane, Henri, and Donovan do. Uh, then obviously you have some people saying, you know, focus on the back line. But, you know, realistically, let's say, that they were able to bring in a forward. I mean, who would be someone kind of on their radar uh, that they would like to bring in? I have no idea. I could not <laughs> begin to tell you. I have zero names. I am not even going to speculate. But I'm sure they're going to get somebody with some quality. They're not going to. They're, they're going to spend the money because they want to make sure they have a strong first season right out the blocks. They're going to have to impress the New York market. They're going to have to impress the casual fans who don't have. Um, you know, allegiances to the Red Bulls. And there are a lot of them. I, I, I keep saying it over and over. There's a lot of soccer fans in in the five boroughs who've never embraced the, the Red Bulls and the Red Metro Stars before that. And part of that was strategic by the Metro by the Metro Stars as well. I mean, from what, from what I understand, uh, through the years, that there was always more of an emphasis on the New Jersey market. And obviously the Red Bulls tried to do their part to get break in there to the New York market. But it, it's already kind of, the, you know, that ship sailed a bit. So... 
there are a lot, I think there's a lot of fans in New York proper who are going to want to see what this NYCFC team is about. And if they go out, they get a third DP, uh, you know, another top player to go along with Lampard and Villa. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking pretty good already just with those guys. And Andrew Jacobson, who had, we had a good time. Uh, he played well at Nor- in, on loan in Norway with Stabæk. Uh, you got Josh Saunders, who's mm-hmm. in the NASL final with uh, with San Antonio. So you know what? It's coming together. It's coming. Together. Well, we'll see who they sign first. They haven't signed anybody, but I mean, with the money that they have at their disposal, I don't. I don't think it's going to be. I, I'm. I'm sure it'll be somebody that people have heard of. And keeping it New York soccer related, the other team, as you mentioned, New York Red Bulls, they're taking on New England. Revolution in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I have a status in doubt right now for Henri. Uh, I think this is going to be a huge bow for obvious reasons. I mean, Henri has really been kind of the driving force behind the Red Bulls and their kind of improved play. As much as you like to say they can recover without him, I mean, look, New York's going to need Henri uh, in both these matches if they want to advance to the MLS Cup Final. Well, here's the thing. we don't know yet what's going to happen. Uh, it's not like they came out and said that he's not going to play in the second leg. So it might be a little premature to assume what is going on just because they don't want to talk about it. Uh, I, I, you know, I think uh, actually Franco Peniza wrote a piece on uh, on SBI about the topic, about the issue, even though it's still a week, it's still two weeks away, three weeks away. Uh, it is something interesting to discuss. I actually asked Henri myself after they beat DC about that. Quite that question because I, you know, you knew the question was going to come up. He wouldn't answer it. He wouldn't address it because the crew, uh, the revolution hadn't beat the crew yet. So he kind of had a respect for the crew. He didn't want to jump ahead and say one way or the other. Basically, in my opinion, what's going to happen is this. If it's a close game in the first leg or if it's 0-0 or if heaven forbid for the Red Bulls that they lose the first leg, I think Terry Henry is going to start in the second leg because then it's do or die. However, if they find a way to, you know, put a 2-0 win, multi-goal win, or, you know, somehow blow out New England, which I don't think will happen. New England is 11-1-1 in their last 13. They're playing out of their minds. They're the hottest team in the league. But if the Red Bulls find a way to get a comfortable victory, say 2-0, then you have to start asking yourself, do we sit him or at least not have him start against New England in New England, have him on the bench, come out, play a defensive game, and try to win without him or try to hold the lead without him. And before anyone says that's that's crazy talk, let's remember the last game of the regular season when they went to Kansas City and Terry Henry wasn't there and he was resting his sore Achilles. Going into that game, I remember the thought was, uh-oh, the Red Bulls, they sat Henry. They're going to get spanked. They're going to, you know, Sporting KC is going to beat him up at home. And guess what happened? The Red Bulls didn't find without Henri. They, they, Bradley Wright Phillips, they kept push, pumping the ball to him, and they came together as a team. So I don't think we should write the Red Bulls off uh, without Henri, but I have to say I find it really hard to believe that if the, the Red it's a one zero if it's a one-goal game or if it's a tie, I mean, if it's a one-goal series or a tie series or if they're behind going into the second leg, I don't know how you keep Henri off the field. You know, I mean, I personally, I, I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine a competitor like him sitting on the sidelines when his team needs him the most. And, and yes, New York did come together, but that was also a very different sporting Kansas City side than the one New York will be facing in New England as, as you know, is just in in great form right now and a lot to handle for, 
for any team. Uh, some other Major League Soccer news, Ivis. FIFA came out with their best goal of the year list. And believe it or not, there are two players who played in Major League Soccer on the list. Unfortunately, these guys really don't have much of an impact anymore, as one of them is Camillo with Vancouver Whitecaps. Obviously, he's no longer with them. And the other one is Tim Cahill from New York Red Bulls. And uh, Ivis, let's face it, Tim Cahill is probably not going to be playing in Major League Soccer next year. But still good to see two MLS guys probably not going to win. You have the goals from the World Cup right there, Robert Van Robin Van Persie's and, and then Rodriguez's. Uh, no chance, but nice to see these two guys nominated for Major League Soccer. Yeah, no, I mean, I think obviously the Cahill goal, uh, you know, it, it it had to be on the list. And I and obviously I remember Camillo's goal. And just to clarify for anyone who's a little confused about this situation, because I know some people will hear Camillo and the Whitecaps. Wait a minute, he hasn't played for the Whitecaps since a year ago. Well, the way they do the Puskas, the Puskas Award, the goal of the year, is like it's from October to October. So, you know, Camilo did score that beautiful goal for Vancouver uh, late in the season in 2013 when he was still in MLS, and that still counts for this year. It's a little absurd, but it is what it is. That's how they do it. Um, I, I don't think that goal is going to win. Um, and and also, I know some people will say, uh, I'm sure some people were a little confused, like how how uh, Coco uh, Lamelo, Eric Lamelo, the Tottenham. The, the Argentina Adam player who had the sick Rabona goal in the Europa League, uh, you know, a couple weeks back, how that goal would be in the rank. I'm sure next year it will be, but yes, they have this absurd October to October timeframe when they, when they decide, you know, when you kind of can become eligible. It's like the Academy Awards where it's not really the calendar year. So whatever, but it's great. It is. I think it is a little positive for MLS to have a, a current player and a former player who scored the goal when he was in MLS um, in that conversation. I, I mean, it can't be bad, right? I mean, I think that's a that's some nice PR for the league, and uh, you never yeah. you never want to turn that down if you're MLS. No, and uh, it'd be cool if they won, but like you said, it's good PR, good public image. Um, well, I just, I'm concerned, man. This is the first time we're not recording a super late show because it's actually super early for you. I mean, you got the whole day ahead of you now. I mean, what are you going to do before the game? I'm going to sleep, my man, because it's 7.30 a.m. and I have not slept yet, so I'm ready to go pass out. Um, luckily, the game is not till 7.30 our time, lo- local time. Um, I'll probably get a, I get a solid four or five hours in, <clears throat> go have some lunch, maybe have some Nando's. There's actually a Nando's only a few blocks from my hotel. I may or may not have had that for lunch and dinner yesterday, so maybe I'll take a, maybe, maybe I'll take a break on, uh, on Friday and Try a little, try try a little something different here. Try a little, you know, English cuisine, a little, little uh, <clears throat> fish and chips or bangers and mash or some, some absurd uh, British British fare. Actually, I'm going to try to find a Peruvian restaurant. I had yeah, I was going to say someone I'm su- today. I'm surprised you haven't tried to search for a Peruvian restaurant yet. Well, the first day I took it easy. I had uh, actually found, um, I found a there was a, like a these little kind of smallish markets uh, around here. And they have fruit at a pretty reasonable price. So I loaded up on fruit. Uh, I am no longer on my vegan diet. However, I am still kind of trying to eat as much fruit as I can. Um, And so, yeah, and I loaded up. I got bananas, oranges, plums. Um, And so I was – I went to town on that day one. And then yesterday was like, okay, or today, yesterday, Thursday – I found I've discovered that there's a Nando's within walking distance, and that was that. I had I had that twice today. Um, so now Friday, 
I don't know, man. Got to find some Peruvian. See if there's a, someone told me there's a Peruvian restaurant. I'll see if it's nearby. Um, and if not, you know what? I'll just hang out around here and grab a little something before heading off to Craven Cottage. And I, I want to see what the crowd looks like for this one. You know, it's it's an it's always it, it's always a little interesting when you have two teams play in a country that it's neither of the teams playing's country. So um, I'm sure there'll be a good turnout of American fans, but there will also be a good turnout of Colombian fans. And I'm sure there'll also be the fans that are there to root for James Rodriguez, big Real Madrid star. And um, you know what? It's going to be a good atmosphere. Fulham is a uh, Craven Cottage is a great little stadium. Um, it's going to be sold out. So uh, it's a big, big test. Um, and you know what? Colombia could, could, could blow it open or the U.S. could show once again their defensive organization, their tenacity and really keep it close. And maybe someone emerges. Maybe Lee Wen comes off the bench, scores a goal. Uh, and kind of, you know, puts himself on the map that way. Maybe we see Greg Garza shut down Juan Cuadrado and, and catch the eye of uh, scouts. Actually, I am reporting on Goal.com um, this morning that European clubs uh, from uh, clubs from throughout Europe are now scouting Greg Garza. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I tell you what, uh, he for my money, I think he could be in Europe by this time next year. I think he'll be in Europe. I'll put it down right now. That'd be that'd be awesome if Greg Garza's in Europe. Um, bringing it back to the game, I mean, how cool would it be if a guy like uh, Alejandro Bedoya steps up, Ivis, with his Colombian roots and gets a brace in this match? That'd be nice. Yeah, no, that that would be huge, obviously. And it's interesting, you know, because he, uh, you know, the U.S. played Colombia uh, before um, a few years back under Bob Bradley, and uh, Bedoya was on that team, but he didn't get to play in the game. And I was a little, I mean, I I was a little surprised by that just because. Because of you know the, obviously the, the the close ties to Colombia that Bedoya has, you know I, I, obviously Bob Bradley has to do what he he has to do as far as the team and his his plans for the team. But I I, I was a little surprised by that. So yeah, I think him getting to start against the the other country that he's rooted for and that his family roots for, I think it's going to be big for him. And and I I do think he, I think he's going to play well. I think he's going to be inspired. Um, but will that be enough to beat Colombia? I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be really, really tough. If, if they win, it'd be great. It'll be another in the, another feather in the cap for Klinsman, who is the king of all friendlies. He finds a way to get results in friendlies. Mexico, Italy, um, you know, he's had, he's had a, a fair number of pretty good results in friendlies. So we'll see. We'll see if they can pull it off. I, I think the crowd's going to be uh, more American than it is going to be for Colombia. If you get some of the formal fans there with the you know with the impact the U.S. players have had, you know playing at Craven Cottage, you, you could you could hear a bunch of USA chants. I think that will happen. Yeah, uh, there'll be there'll be some U.S. fans. There'll be some. Um, I don't think they're going to dominate. I don't think it's going to be like you know the Ghana game at the World Cup where the U.S. fans just it would that that still for me is one is one of the memorable moments is seeing the U.S. fans just kind of take over a stadium the way they did that that night in uh, in Natal. We'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I I've been to one game there before. I was actually there for Clint Dempsey's last game at Fulham. Uh, well, his last game uh, before this, you know, more recent uh, uh, stint, uh, his loan stint there when he left. Um, they played Arsenal actually. Uh, so you know, and and it, it was a great atmosphere. Um, it's a tiny little state. It's a nice little stadium, quaint, very old stadium. It, 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 the the analogy that I give it, it's kind of like. It has that like Fenway Park uh, 
thing to it where it's this small old stadium, but it's like you, you know the history, you feel the history there, you you know it's uh it's got years of tradition there. So it'll be good to see. Uh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great on TV. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm gonna be at the bar watching the game. Granted you'll be in the stands, your experience will be much better. Uh but dive is that game kicks off tomorrow at twelve forty five at Arizona time. I should start two forty five. Uh Eastern time. Well, Ivis, I'm going to let you go, man. You have tons of sleep to catch up on uh, before the game. So, dude, you need to go to bed. Uh, I will. And uh, just a reminder for, for those of you who haven't read uh, the stuff, we've got quite a few stories uh, on SBI. We, uh, we have a story on the veterans in camp, on the U.S. veterans in this camp. Uh, Franco Panizo uh, wrote that. And uh, Ryan Tolmich uh, has, a, has a bit of a preview piece uh, with with Jurgen Klinsmann praising Colombian coach Jose Peckerman and talking about some other stuff relating to the game. And you can check out my stories on Gold.com. I had a feature with Andre Yedlin on him kind of being in the spotlight here in London. And also, as I mentioned earlier, I have a piece on Greg Garza and his, his career kind of skyrocketing and having a chance now to really take another jump up with this Columbia game. So if you need some reading, if you're listening to the show and it's Friday morning and you haven't read those stories, Make sure you read all four of those stories and every story on SBI twice. Yeah, man, you've been crushing it, especially on goal. I mean, you've had a, it seems like multiple articles up a day on on the U.S. It's uh, it's been great, Ivis. All right, with that yeah, no, it's, said, it's, it's I'm sorry. Uh, oh, by the way, by the way, one more. You got to check out the Brad Friedel article that I had uh, yesterday. Yeah. Actually, well, it would be Wednesday. Uh, Friedel had some interesting things to say about the whole MLS versus Europe thing. Uh, he had actually a lot, and you would think, you know, he's been in Europe for 17 years now that he would be Mr. Europe, MLS sucks, or, you know, obviously he's, you know, he'd be a lot more diplomatic about it, but he actually had a lot of praise for MLS, and uh, he made some really good, some really good points, and, uh, you know, he uh, he sees both sides of the argument, as do I, um, and, and the kind of the main gist of, of his whole thing is uh, players can get better in MLS, players can come to MLS and improve uh, but you know, you can understand why a national team coach would want his very best players playing in the, as good a league as possible as they possibly can. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Klinsman wanting his best players in the best leagues that they could possibly play in. I mean, why does anyone have a problem with that? It still boggles my mind. It still drives me nuts. And I think it's funny today, DeAndre Yedlin, who still plays in MLS, by the way, uh, actually, uh, you know, he was asked about MLS players going to Europe, and his exact words were, "You know, if they're ready, they should go." And it's like, it's like I'm sure Don Garber's firing off a memo now, uh, saying, "DeAndre, please don't tell people that." Um, but it, you know what? Just because people want the very best players to go to Europe does not mean MLS is not. Uh, you know, they don't rate MLS or they hate MLS or it's it's a detriment to MLS. The best players in the world play in the top leagues in Europe, and that I mean, you cannot. There's, listen, I don't know what country uh, that had that has legitimate talent doesn't have its very best players playing in Europe. I just don't. So, uh, well, other than MLS, so I mean, other than the Amer- the U.S. team with with Dempsey and Bradley, but even now that you know, they're going to be people looking to take their place as the best American players. So, I don't know. I, I, it just boggles my mind that whole that whole idea. That was a lot of talent, you know, and. 
Look, there's a lot of talent that's coming up for the U.S. It is a year or two away, but we'll see players step up over the next four years. You know, four years from now, guys that are on the team now, we may never see them again. That's just the way it works. Guys will step up. But someone said that Matt Beezer was going to be playing, or John Brooks. And we'd be hard-pressed to find people who would be raising their hands saying, these guys are going to be pouring me in the World Cup. So there's that, Ivis. Uh, with that being said, man, I, I'm going to let you go to bed because I need to go to bed and prepare for the U.S. versus Columbia, man. I'm excited for this. Yes, sir. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day, man. And if I don't talk to you, also have a safe flight to Ireland as well. Yes, sir. I'm off to Dublin on Sunday uh, before USA versus Dublin on Tuesday, which should be a good one. A good one. I think young. I think you're going to see more of the young guys play that one. Yeah, it'd be a great opportunity for them. And uh, I'm sure you'll be having a good time in Ireland. All right, Ivis. You have a good rest of the day. That is Ivis Clarkson. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>